0: So today we'll take a look at uh, chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, and it's a, it's a very nice chapter after a lot of the negatives and curses that we saw in the earlier chapter. We see that chapter 30 speaks about uh, restoration and how we can be restored and what is restored. And it also speaks about the laws, which are easy to follow. And it ends with a choice that is given to the people of Israel, and that is the same choice that is also given to us and the consequences uh, that accompany the choices uh, that we make so verses 1 to 3 uh, speaks about the path to restoration and verses 4 to 10 uh, speaks about what is restored to israel when it when they repent and 11 to 15 speaks about the nature of god's laws and the chapter ends uh, with the choices uh, given So with this chapter, we are also coming to the end of Moses' uh, teaching. And the remaining chapters can be seen uh, as the conclusion for the book of Deuteronomy. So we are kind of coming uh, to the end. And we saw last week the chapters uh, 29 and 30 uh, go together. And the main uh, focus uh, that we saw in chapter 29 is that, uh, as we saw in verse 9, keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do so again the choice is given to us uh, if we keep the commandments uh, we will prosper in all that we do and again we saw in the very last verse of chapter 29 that whatever is revealed to us uh, the secrets uh, that are revealed to us <coughs> uh, to the word of through the word of god uh, belong to us and to our children and when it says belong that it means that we are responsible for what is revealed to us uh, through the scriptures and what is not revealed, uh, we don't have to worry because God has not revealed uh, all the secrets. And there are many uh, questions uh, that will be answered uh, only on the other side. So we should not try to uh, waste our time uh, trying to debate or trying to find answers uh, for, which, uh, for which we don't see the answer in the scriptures. So as you saw last week uh, in chapter 29, uh, verses one through 19, uh, it spoke about the covenant uh, that was reviewed and also renewed. So it is not a new covenant uh, that Moses is talking about. Uh, as we have gone through the book of Deuteronomy, Moses uh, is reaffirming uh, some of the teachings that we see in the book of Exodus. And he's sharing those teachings uh, with the second uh, generation. Uh, that is actually going to make uh, to the promised land. So we know that the first uh, generation, most of them perished uh, because of their lack of faith. And at this point, uh, Moses is addressing the second generation, which will actually enter the promised land. So even though uh, it says covenant, it doesn't mean that God gave one more covenant uh, to the next generation. Uh, It is simply the same covenant uh, that is being reviewed and renewed. And as you saw last week, uh, this covenant is coming from God, which makes it divine. And we also saw that this covenant uh, is inclusive. Uh, It includes uh, everyone, uh, so no one is uh, exempt, uh, whether they are the priest, uh, whether they are fathers, mothers, children, and even the aliens. And we also saw that the covenant is uh, intergenerational. Uh, It will be continued from one generation to the next. So the next generation is not going to get a new covenant from God. Uh, They are simply going to follow the covenant that Moses uh, is talking about uh, until the new covenant comes uh, through Lord Jesus Christ. And the content uh, is simply all the laws that Moses has taught them uh, through the Ten Commandments and also through various laws uh, that we have seen in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, the civic laws, and also the ceremonial laws uh, relating to the various uh, sacrifices. And the goal is to form uh, people to himself. That is God's desire. uh, In giving the laws, Uh, he wants to separate the people, uh, make them truly unique, uh, make them separated uh, for his uh, glory. And the condition is that when we obey uh, the laws, uh, it draws us uh, closer to God, and we are molded into his image and as you saw last week the punishment for breaking the covenant that we saw in chapter 20 uh, towards the end uh, 20 to 29 uh, there were all the curses the sickness the plague and the destruction and also the dispersion of the people of israel uh, from one promised land to around the world Uh, and and we also saw that all of this judgment uh, is seen also by other nations As God sending his judgment or punishment uh, on the people of Israel. So today we'll take a look at chapter 30, uh, which uh, turns this around and gives us hope that despite uh, not following the commandment, uh, despite uh, not following the Lord or obeying his laws, uh, there is still hope uh, for restoration when we come back uh, to the covenant. And we see that uh, God's love. Uh, extends to sinners and it also extends to believers uh, who fall short of his expectation. So a sinner uh, needs a savior uh, to be redeemed uh, from their sins and a fallen uh, believer uh, needs to be restored. So a fallen believer does not need uh, the gift of salvation. Uh, They don't need a savior. They already have a savior. So they need to be uh, restored. And as we have seen uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, the the restoration uh, in the Old Testament uh, took place uh, through the sacrifice of animals. And in the New Testament, uh, we see that the restoration takes place uh, through the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened in the Old Testament uh, is simply pointing to the cross or pointing to the complete and finished work uh, that takes place uh, through Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't see any sacrifices after the cross because Lord Jesus Christ uh, became the ultimate uh, and the final sacrifice uh, for our sins. So we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore uh, to be restored. And As we read in 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, his son cleanses uh, us from all sins without any exceptions. So we'll start with uh, verses uh, one through 10. Uh, that speaks about the path uh, to restoration for the people of Israel. And it also speaks about the nature of restoration. And the path to restoration that we see uh, is the same path that is laid out uh, for us as believers uh, when we fall short of God's expectations or when we drift away uh, from the Lord or when we are disobedient uh, to the covenant. And the key uh, verse here is uh, what we see in verse 9. Uh, which is the promise of restoration. And it's a beautiful promise that says, the Lord will again uh, rejoice over thee for good. So obviously when people of Israel, when they were going astray and going away from God, God was grieved uh, in his heart, Uh, but there is always that hope uh, that is given when they come back to the Lord. And here the Lord is uh, saying, I will rejoice over thee again uh, for good. And we'll see how that happens. Okay, so in this passage, we see uh, we see that word return appear several times. And we see that the focus is when we return, uh, the Lord will restore. And it is also beautiful in verse 4, where it says, uh, even if I have driven you to the outmost parts of heaven, uh, from thence I will gather thee. So when we are living in sin, uh, sometimes we may feel that it's all hopeless. But when we turn to God, no matter how deep uh, we are in sin, Uh, He is able to bring us back and he is able to restore. So the key here is to return uh, to the Lord. And when we take that step, uh, we see that the Lord is uh, able to restore. And uh, this is a beautiful passage. uh, But uh, in terms of the full restoration, uh, obviously, uh, it has not taken place. So It's more of a prophecy of things that will happen uh, to the nation of Israel when the Lord returns. But we see some aspects of restoration uh, taking place uh, even now. But at a more practical level, uh, when we apply it to our own lives, uh, we see that when we repent of our sins and return to God, uh, he is able to restore the broken relationship and he is able to restore uh, the spiritual blessings. So we see uh, in verse one that uh, just as uh, Moses had said, uh, when the laws were given, that the children of Israel they will they will not be able to keep uh, the covenant, and that is what happens uh, in history. They are unable to keep the laws, and because of that, they are subject uh, to the wrath of God, uh, which includes uh, the, the scattering of the people of Israel uh, from the promised land to other nations. Uh, it leads to captivity of the people of Israel. Uh, it leads to taking away of all of their wealth and prosperity uh, that happens. And as we read in chapter 28, verse 64, the Lord shall scatter thee among all people uh, from the one end of the earth, uh, even unto the other. But chapter 30 gives us hope that even after disobedience, uh, even after the Lord has uh, rendered his judgment and rendered his punishment, uh, there is still hope Uh, when we are scattered and when we are totally away from the Lord, uh, the Lord can bring us back. So we see a few steps uh, as we read through verses uh, 1 through 10. Uh, Firstly, uh, as we see in verse 1, there should be uh, a recognition uh, that we have gone astray. Uh, There should be a realization uh, that we have gone away from the Lord. And it is because of that uh, that we are facing uh, punishment or we are facing uh, chastisement uh, from the Lord. And secondly, as we read in verse uh, two and 10, uh, we need to return and we need to obey. (coughs) And return uh, implies that uh, we are going to repent or we are going to turn away uh, from the wrong ways and take a U-turn and come back to the Lord and go back to obeying the commands, uh, obeying the laws that the Lord has given. And in Hosea 14:1, it says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. And when we do that, uh, we see step three, where God will uh, show compassion, as we read in verse three, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity, and he will have compassion, and he will return and gather thee from all the nations. So we see that the blessings uh, start coming back uh, into our life. Uh, when we repent and God is always uh, responsive uh, to a repentant heart and he shows compassion and God will restore and the full restoration will take place uh, in the future. But in our life, uh, whenever we are living in sin, uh, we need to repent so that we can receive uh, God's compassion and he can restore what has been lost. And Uh, We heard a lot about curses and punishment of God, but in Ezekiel 18, verse 30 and 32 reminds us that uh, God doesn't take pleasure uh, in punishing us. God doesn't take pleasure in chastising us because at the end of the day, uh, we are still his children, right? So in Ezekiel 18, 30 to 32 says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, uh, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourself from all your transgressions so iniquity shall not be your ruin. So here Ezekiel is again reminding us that we are personally accountable uh, for the transgressions uh, that happen in our life or the sins that we commit. And if we continue in that sin, uh, the sin would lead to our destruction. So in verse 31, uh, he gives the counsel, cast away from you all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, uh, turn yourself and live ye. So the message of the Bible is not the message of death, but the message of the Bible uh, is to point us to life, uh, to point us to everlasting life, and that is what uh, delights the go- god not the punishing of sinners and even as we read in luke 15:7 uh, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth so bible doesn't say that joy shall be in heaven when a sinner is punished but bible says there would be great joy in heaven uh, even if one sinner repents and comes to the lord And in verse 6, we see what leads uh, to a change of heart. Uh, Again, the change uh, is initiated by God. Uh, It is not something that is coming from us, Uh, it is not based on human works. So, even the change of heart uh, is a work of God so that we can be uh, fully restored. And unless our heart is changed, uh, we really cannot repent uh, with a true repentance and we really cannot obey the Lord uh, fully. Uh, We can try all we can, but unless the Lord uh, changes our hearts, uh, we will continue to stumble and fail. So that is why our heart needs to be fixed uh, more than our willpower and all that, which people try uh, to walk in His ways. So in verse six is the promise that is given that the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed Uh, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. So God is going to circumcise our heart or change the heart so that it would be a heart that is uh, more inclined uh, to love the Lord and to obey his ways. And again, uh, in Romans, uh, Paul reminds us uh, of the great uh, salvation that is going to take place of the people of Israel uh, which could be seen as a national salvation or a mass uh, salvation. And he says, and so all Israel shall be saved. Uh, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness uh, from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So again, it's speaking about the prophecy, about the second advent of Christ, which is when there would be a full restoration and there would be a complete uh, change of heart and salvation. And as we read verses four through 10, uh, we can also see uh, what is restored when the people of Israel repent or when they turn back to God. So we see there is a physical uh, return, which is a physical blessing. Uh, They are gathered from all the nations and they're brought back to the land which was uh, possessed uh, by the fathers. So it is not a new land uh, that the Lord is going to create uh, for the people of Israel uh, when they return, but they will be brought back uh, to the same land uh, that was uh, possessed uh, by father by their forefathers, which means uh, they will come back to Israel, and that would be the gathering point of, of the Israelites when they completely turn back to God and God gives them the land back. And even as we read in Jeremiah 33, I will cause them to return uh, to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. And also in Amos 9.15, and I will plant them upon their land. So this is contrary to what we read in uh, Deuteronomy 29, where the Lord said, I would approach you from your land and disperse you to all the nations. But here, when the promise is given, Uh, When the restoration takes place, uh, it speaks about planting them again upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, uh, saith the Lord thy God. So it speaks about a permanent uh, restoration. Uh, It's not a temporary residence or a temporary stay in in the land of Israel or the promised land, but it would be a permanent gathering of the people of Israel. Uh, when the prophecy is fulfilled. And we also see in verse five that they would multiply more than their fathers. So we know that one of the blessings uh, on the nation of Israel or the people of Israel was they multiplied uh, greatly, even when they were in Egypt. And here the promise is given that when they return to God, they will multiply even more. And in verses uh, seven to 10, we see some of the blessings Uh, that will take place, uh, the enemies uh, would be cursed uh, and the land would be restored and their work uh, would be rewarded. So verse 7 says, and the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon your enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And verse 9 says, and the Lord thy God will make you plenteous in every work of thine hand in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. So that was the same promise uh, that was given to them earlier uh, when we saw that if they obeyed the Lord, uh, their work uh, would be rewarded. But since they went astray from God, all of these blessings were taken away. But now that they are turning back to God, uh, all of these blessings uh, are restored, and they would their work would be rewarded, and the Lord will again uh, rejoice over them. So we see that our God uh, is a God of second chances. Uh, we make uh, many mistakes uh, in our life. Uh, we commit uh, many sins, we fall into many temptations. But when we take the path of restoration, uh, we see that God shows us uh, compassion, and He again, uh, rejoices over us and he restores what we have lost not in terms of material blessings but most importantly uh, in terms of spiritual blessings and the relationship uh, that we have with him and verses 11 through 15 uh, speak about the character of god's laws and why uh, we should be able to follow the god god's laws and there is no excuse uh, for saying that We cannot obey or we cannot follow the laws that are given to us. Okay, so here uh, Moses uh, is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's giving us a graphic uh, image that no one can say that uh, they don't know the laws or it is something that is impossible, that you need to uh, reach the heaven uh, to get that knowledge or to get that wisdom, or you need to dig deep uh, into the sea uh, to get that uh, information. But we know that uh, God appeared to Moses and he gave him all the laws. And whatever God spoke to Moses, uh, Moses uh, communicated uh, to the people of Israel. So they have no excuse because the word uh, was given to them uh, directly in great uh, clarity. As it goes on to verse 14, that the word is very nigh unto thee uh, in your mouth and in your heart so that you may do it. So there is uh, no excuse for saying uh, the word of God or the laws are not uh, accessible. And Paul uses the same argument in Romans uh, chapter 10, verses one through 10. Uh, He uses the same words uh, leading up to the confession. He says, the word is very near thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. And that is the word of faith, uh, which we preach. And obviously it is that word that leads to salvation uh, before with confession. Yeah. So in verse 11, uh, there are two things that we see in this passage that the laws are easily understood. So it is not a mystery, uh, at least for the people of Israel. Uh, Moses had communicated everything to them. And if you go back to the book of Exodus, when God spoke to Moses uh, in a long monologue, uh, he explained Uh, the Ten Commandments and all the laws, the ceremonial laws and the moral laws, civic laws, and so on. And Moses told them, and he is also saying that it is easily uh, accessible. It is something that they can uh, access and achieve. And if that is the case, if you understand the laws and you can easily access it, then obedience uh, should be the natural response. Uh, It is something that should be easy to do. Uh, it should be something that is rational. And when we come uh, to the new covenant, uh, uh, which is prophesied in the Old Testament, and we also see in Hebrews chapter eight, uh, we see that the new covenant uh, moves the laws uh, from the tablets uh, that were given to Moses uh, in the form of 10 commandments, or all the laws that the Lord spoke to Moses, uh, all of them are being transferred uh, to the heart Uh, which makes it very close to us. So in Jeremiah 31, verse 33, speaks about that new covenant. But this shall be the covenant that I will make uh, with the house of Israel Uh, after those days, uh, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. So we are uh, subject to the new covenant, uh, not the old covenant. And when we go to the book of Hebrews, we see that the new covenant Uh, is superior uh, to the Old Covenant, and that is the covenant that we are responsible for. And that is the covenant that is written in our hearts. Uh, It was purchased by the blood of Lord Jesus. And as we come to the end, uh, we see the conclusion of the whole matter. Uh, Moses has given them all the laws, and Moses has also told them that the laws are easy to access. They are easy to understand. There is no mystery about the laws. And if that is the case, uh, the choice is given to the people of Israel. Uh, Moses is not forcing them uh, to take uh, a decision. Uh, God is not forcing us uh, to make a decision or to obey the laws. Uh, He is simply telling us uh, what is the better way of doing things. But the choice is always left to us. Okay, so here again, we just see the summary of what we've been learning uh, in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, The Lord has, uh, through Moses, uh, given all the laws and the commandments. And the expectation is that they would obey so that they can enjoy the blessings uh, in the promised land. But if their heart uh, turns away, uh, so we see that uh, man is always uh, looking to worship uh, something. So he would either worship the real God or he would worship the idols. So that is always a choice or the battle in the heart of man, whether they should worship the true God or whether they should worship all the idols that is placed before them, uh, which comes in many different shapes and forms. Uh, It comes in many different uh, forms of temptations. And we see in the nation of Israel that they were always uh, driven away uh, from the true God uh, to worship the idols and it goes on to say that if you do that you will surely perish and you will lose uh, the blessings so the recommendation or the counsel that moses is giving is that they should choose life they should love the lord they should obey his voice and they should cleave unto him which means uh, they should hold on to the lord uh, in a very close uh, relationship no matter what they are going through and And love is also commanded, as we read in verse 16, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord uh, thy God. So this is given not as an option, but as a commandment uh, to love the Lord. And God can command that love because he has loved us. And since he has loved us, uh, he can also command love from us. And just a couple of verses in Deuteronomy 4.37, it says, And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight with a mighty power out of Egypt. And Deuteronomy 7, uh, 7, 8, uh, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. So we see that God's grace was upon the people of Israel. They were not the greatest, uh, they were not the best, but it was simply a choice uh, that the Lord made to bestow uh, his favor upon that chosen generation. And since they were the fewest of all the people, <coughs> they could not take pride in themselves that the Lord loved them because they were great, but it was simply God's grace that he loved them and he chose them. <coughs> and in 1 John uh, four nineteen, we read that uh, we love him because he first uh, loved us. <laughs> and that is what uh, Moses is saying here. Uh, since God loved you, the natural response uh, should be that you also love him. And they have already tasted of the love of God when he delivered them from bondage in Egypt and when he sustained them in the wilderness Uh, through manna and water, and also the blessings uh, that he gave them in promised land uh, in terms of victory over hostile uh, nations and so on. So the question for us is, we also know that God has loved us. And when we know that God has loved us, uh, the natural response should be that we also should love him. We also should give him uh, the first place. Uh, in our life. So that is the choice that the chapter ends with in verses 15 and 19. Uh, See, I have said before this day, life and good, uh, death and evil. So obviously those are two extremes. You can either choose life or death or you can choose good or evil. Uh, You can choose blessing or cursing. And depending on the choice you make, uh, it will not only impact you, but it will also impact your children. And through that, it will impact the generations to come. So we see that the choices uh, that we make, uh, it not only affects us, but it also affects our immediate families. Uh, It affects the communities uh, that we uh, interact with. It affects the local church that we take part in. So everything is kind of interconnected. So that is why it is important that we make the right choice so that our life would be a blessing to many. In verse 20 ends by saying that we should choose life. and by doing that, we are choosing to love God. Uh, we are choosing to obey Him. We are choosing to uh, cleave uh, to him. <laughs> and in Joshua 24:15, so Joshua was the next leader uh, after Moses. And we see that the God was uh, with Joshua, and Joshua was able to enjoy the favor of God. Uh, Joshua was able to enjoy uh, many victories uh, as a leader of Israel. And when we come to Joshua 24-15, uh, we see that uh, Joshua made the right choice. It says, where he's speaking to the congregation, he says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, uh, choose you this day, whom you would serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land he dwelt. But as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. So that's a decision and that's a commitment that Joshua made uh, to make the right choice, not only for himself, but also uh, for his family, that they would serve the lord so that's a testimony that we want to have as individuals as families and as a church that we would serve the lord so love uh, is always a choice and in joshua 14 uh, 15 jesus said uh, if you love me uh, keep my commandments so that's the greatest uh, test of our love so we can sing uh, many worship songs Uh, We can uh, say many beautiful things, but the true test of our love is uh, is our obedience, uh, whether we are keeping his commandments or not. And that is how God is going to test uh, or judge our love for him, based on the extent to which uh, we keep his commandments. And the teaching in both the Old and the New Testament uh, is the same. Uh, When we obey the Lord, when we obey his commands, uh, we are blessed. As we read in Luke 11, 28, uh, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And the law of the Lord or the commandments uh, of the Lord, uh, we read in Psalm 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, uh, converting the soul, Uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise uh, the simple. So it is the word of God, uh, which is the source of wisdom. Uh, It is the word of God that would lead us uh, to make right choices that would lead to blessings. It is not the knowledge uh, that we gain uh, from this world, but it is simply the word of God that is able to make wise uh, the simple. And we often say that the laws are very difficult uh, to follow. And even as Moses reminded us uh, that the laws are uh, easily accessible, Uh, They are not uh, mysterious. In the same way, uh, John the Apostle reminds us in 1 John 5, 3, that his commandments are not grievous. Or in NIV, it says it is not burdensome. So God's commands uh, can be kept. uh, Even as we read in Matthew, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So the teachings of the Lord, uh, they may seem difficult uh, for Uh, unbelievers but for believers uh, it should not be burdensome uh, if we truly love the Lord so that's where we will end uh, in verse uh, chapter 29 and chapter 30 go together and 29 verse 9 we were reminded keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do So the challenge for us is, are we obedient uh, to the laws of the Lord? And if we are not, then we need to ask ourselves, uh, what is uh, causing disobedience uh, in our life? What is making it difficult for us to obey the laws of the Lord, uh, which are uh, transparent, uh, which are accessible, which are easily understood. And we are without excuse when it comes to obeying the laws of the Lord. So that brings us to the end of chapter 30. So we saw the path uh, to restoration uh, begins uh, with the recognition that we have gone astray uh, from the Lord. And when we repent of our sins, we saw that God shows compassion and he also restores us, uh, restores the broken relationship. And we also see that it is not by our efforts or it is not by our works that we are able to change ourselves. Uh, It is the Lord who changes our hearts. Uh, It is the Lord who takes away the blindness uh, from our eyes, the darkness uh, from our lives and sheds his light upon us. And we saw that uh, what is restored uh, is a prophecy uh, on the nation of Israel, that the Lord will regather them uh, to the same uh, promised land that was given to their forefathers. And he will bless the work of their hands and he will curse and he will punish uh, those who stood up uh, against the nation of Israel. And we see that, we saw that in the book of Daniel uh, at the second advent, when the Lord returns, uh, he fights for Israel. And in verses 11 through 15, we saw about the nature of God's laws. It is not something that cannot be reached. Uh, It is not something that cannot be understood. Uh, It is easily accessible and for the people of Israel they were given the complete loss so Moses did not give them 50 did not give them 50 percent of what he heard uh, whatever he heard from God he gave it to them completely and they were responsible for that and the choices that were given to the nation of Israel uh, is the same choice uh, that is given to us uh, if we obey the Lord and his laws uh, it would lead to blessing. But if we reject God, if we reject, or if we disobey his commands, uh, it would lead to chastisement. uh, It would lead to loss of blessings.